It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. You can email the show, lothunderpod at gmail.com. You can call into the show, 405-362-7128. This is a very special episode of Locked On Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder, as I am joined by Josh Lloyd, fantasy basketball expert, host of the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, to get you set for all of your fantasy basketball leagues, including if you're in the Locked On Thunder Fantasy Basketball League. So Josh, how are you doing today? Good, Ryan. Good to be here. So on Friday, we're starting preseason games and, and it's back. Basketball is back and, and we're going to see a lot of drafts happen between now and December 22nd. And I think that fantasy experts like yourself are kind of the most knowledgeable about the game of basketball because you have to know to do what you do at such a high level. You have to know every single player on every team, what their roles are going to be. That way you can really accurately predict what's going to happen. So what goes into your preparation for each season? Um, well, we, you know, it's a you know, 24-7 almost job, really, because you've got to be yeah, absorbing stuff at, at all times and just little picking up little bits and pieces. There's no way you can sort of just come in and, and yeah, a week before the season, it, oh, I'm just going to read everything and be caught up on it. You've got you to get this stuff yeah, as it's happening and you know, just paying attention. And it's been harder this year, obviously, with you know, a three-month off-season window compressed into a couple of weeks. But you know, when you have an understanding of who all the players are and the tendencies of the teams and the coaches and rotations and that sort of stuff, it does make it a little bit easier. You know, when you, when you are paying attention to it every day. 
And Josh, there's a, a lot to dive into. You mentioned it right there. The, the condensed off season has kind of thrown everyone for a loop. We're already getting ready for next season. And so let's just start with fantasy basketball as a whole right now. What is your preferred method of, of playing? Is it dynasty league? Is it some other method? What, what do you enjoy the most as just a fan of fantasy basketball? Um, look, Dynasty takes it to another level because obviously you're, you're dealing with you know, off seasons and transactions and sometimes contracts and, and that sort of stuff. It's it's a lot of time. I had to give up most of my Dynasty leagues this year, actually, because I just didn't have time because I was in about seven of them. I had to give them up. There was just too many of them because of the time commitment. So that's probably the, the best way to do it. But I think things change a little bit this year as well. Like normally, I would just say, if you want you know, the, the best experience, just play a, a regular head-to-head category league, but with uncertainty with players missing time with COVID, I think maybe uh, that's going to lead things a little bit astray this year, just with random people being out at certain times and the small sample size of a one week matchup, I think probably going to a rotisserie sort of league probably works better in in this sort of environment. And what is the difference in that rotisserie league versus head to head? In a head-to-head league, so it's my team. Like like the the one that we drafted yesterday for the Locked On Podcast Network League, it's you versus me for a week, and we get our, our players and they accumulate their stats. And at the end of the week, we see who wins. In rotisserie, I am accumulating the stats over the course of a season. And then at the end of that season, we see you know which team had the most points and who had the most assists. And then you're ranked in each of those categories. And whoever has you know, the highest combined you know, rankings through, across all the categories wins. So you're competing against every team at all points, but it's a cumulative thing across the season. So if we're playing each other in a week and I have a guy miss three games, that and that it doesn't cost me the week because that that three-game absence is spread over a 72-game schedule. Yeah, that's something I have not considered really because I've just always been, okay, let's just go head-to-head, snake draft, and let's get this process started. I've never really given much thought of, of branching out beyond that, but to, to bring up the COVID point is, is totally correct because what if we're playing week one and I've missed out on three of my top guys with COVID and you have a full squad or vice versa, that's not really indicative of how well we've, we've drafted. And so to isolate it into that, I've never thought about that from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, you know, at least if you haven't played a Roto League, trying it this year is, is going to be the time to do it. It's not going to be for everybody, but Yeah, I think we're probably not going to have too much of an issue when it comes to fantasy playoffs in April because hopefully the vaccine will be available and teams will be vaccinated and we won't have COVID absences then, but we don't know that. But you get down to your finals and then, yeah, fingers crossed, knock on wood, um, Shea Gildas-Alexander gets COVID and you're in the finals and he misses the entire matchup and you lose, even though you've been the best team all year. Obviously, injuries can happen at any point, but what if Shea gets it and then... Uh, Al Horford gets it and uh, four players on the Thunder team and your team's very Thunder heavy and and you're cooked. You can't do anything with it. And I think that's why with those small sample size, one week matchups with, there's definitely going to be more absences this year than a regular season. That's going to create more, um, more variance that isn't probably indicative of the skill level of the, of the managers involved. And so for you, you mentioned that you're usually head to head and you've done some dynasty before, but whenever you're kind of encouraging somebody to get involved in, in fantasy basketball, because it is a daunting task. It's not like football where you just set a lineup and, and just let it ride and, and just have some fun for one day a week. This is more of a in the weeds kind of have to keep up with this a little bit. Would you advise setting your lineup on like say Monday? Cause I know that you can set your lineup ahead for each 
individual day? Or do you think that you really should set aside some time every day before the game step off to make sure your lineup is in check? Or do you not really miss out on points that much if you do it a week ahead? Um, I would set it a week and ahead. That's what I do. And then you, know, you have an idea, especially if you've only got one team, you sort of know who's on your team and you, you get an idea and you get alerts often as well, depending on what app you're using, that this player's out, this player's injured. But I, I set it all in advance. And then you might have like a five second look at it before the game start. Hey, oh man, this guy just got a late scratch. Let's just move someone in. But instead of having to go through it and make every lineup decision on every day i do do it on the the week in advance i do it on the sunday night ready for the next week and then just make little changes during the week if necessary so how do you approach the the trade topic because you mentioned it i made the first trade with with sean woodley of locked on raptors in our locked on fantasy league and i traded chris paul away for pascal siakam my thought process was well you know what I'm very guard heavy. He's very, you know, wing and, and, and forward heavy. I can get Siakam, who I trust will be healthy, all things considered for a whole season, have a big role in Toronto. And then we're still uncertain about what Chris Paul can do. I mean, we love what he did in Oklahoma City last year. He's a, he's a folk lord now in Oklahoma City. Uh, but there are still some concerns about his long-term health for this season coming up. So what do you think about that trade? And then how do you just grade trades individually? Um. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of we're talking about that trade individually. I think it's a strong move from you. Now, I'm not one that necessarily thinks that you you can. I don't think you can be too sort of guard heavy or too forward heavy because it just means you're leaning in and strengthening a whole bunch of categories, making you really tough to beat in those areas. So unless you just don't have forwards to fill your spots, then um, yeah, I don't actually mind being being overly heavy in, in certain positions, but you're right in terms of the reliability and the durability. I think that's probably a, a win on your end there. But look, in terms of trades, there's no winners or losers. Both teams can lose. You, you significantly, both of your teams could easily have gotten worse or you could have both gotten better. That's just the way... And it's not like looking, you mentioned fantasy football. In a fantasy football trade, like teams, one team will win, one team will get better, and you're banking on someone getting worse or, or improving their fantasy point output. But for basketball, it's a little bit different because you, know, you can provide those needs differently for both teams, and both teams can win, or they can make a trade where it's actually worse for both squads. So I think you know, when we look at it as a win-lose binary, I don't think that's the right way to, to look at trades. It's... Yeah, it's very easily, and obviously the best trades will do this, means that both teams uh, benefit from it. So coming up, I want to talk about the Thunder season, both in actual basketball and in fantasy basketball, and get your take on some of the, the Thunder players on this team. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on Locked On Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm Ryland Stiles. Joining me is fantasy basketball expert Josh Lloyd. And Josh, Again, we're a couple of days away from preseason. The, the season is almost here. And I want to talk to you about the Thunder. Because as I've said, as a fantasy basketball expert, you really have to be in depth with every single team and, and really knowledgeable about what roles guys are going to play. And so when you look at this team on paper as it stands right now, 
what is your feeling for this team in, in actual real life basketball? How good or bad do you think that they're going to be? Do you see them as a, as a potential one through five pick, or do you think that they're going to su- surprise some people again? Um, I think they'll be better than people expect them to be. Um, yeah. Al Horford obviously is hopefully going to have a better season than, than last year. And he can just be a, a real sort of steadying presence on this team. I don't expect Horford to be moved on any point soon. It might happen uh, at some point later in the year. I, I don't expect it though for Horford. Um, but they're going to be, they're going to be fun to watch. And there's some young players who are going to be put into some larger roles. They're not going to be as good as last year would be yeah, a, a pretty bold, not bold, a pretty obvious thing to say. Um, but I think they'll be a little bit better than others. I think, you know, even getting towards the play in game is, is going to be tough, but that means, you know, given the opportunities to some of these guys, there is a ton of you know, fantasy opportunity for some players on this Thunder team who would have been afterthoughts uh, you know, it, as, as uh, recently as last year. So let, let's get into the fantasy aspect of it. Who is, who is your top draft pick on this team fantasy basketball-wise? Is it Shea, or do you think that maybe Shea's value has gotten way too far ahead of what you're actually projecting for him? Do you still think that Shea is a good value pick in this season? Um. Look, he's obviously the best player on this team fantasy-wise. There's, there's no doubt about that. The recent changes on Yahoo with their rankings have brought him in. I think he was at 50 beforehand, and that gave him great value, and they brought him into 26. Uh, I think there's still a, a realistic possibility that Shea could be a top... Like He could finish as a top 10 player this season just with how much the ball is going to be in his hands, moving from a shooting guard, small forward role into more of a point guard role, so more assists. The risk you have there is when, and we saw that with the player you mentioned before, Pascal Siakam, is when they become the number one offensive option. Efficiency can drop, and more importantly, defensive stats can drop, and that can be an impact there on Shea, but I think he's pretty clearly the number one guy, and there is still some value in him, especially if people don't trust him because he hasn't done it at that level before. But that that value has been squeezed out a bit. I think in terms of the best value guy, though, um, I think it's a debate between uh, Al Horford or, or Darius Basley, to be honest, because Horford's sitting out there at about 80 or 90 on the ranks. And I think that you're know, playing his natural position, he'll be much better. And Basley was in the 600s at one point on Yahoo. He's come all the way into 160, but uh, I think he's got a real chance to crack the top 100. And what do you like about Darius Basley? Just an outsider looking in. Um, yeah, I loved what he did, obviously, in that bubble run where he had that three consecutive 20-point games. But his ability to be a, a small forward, power forward type player who blocks shots and can block one shot per game, uh, he's going to see probably the second highest usage on this team, definitely in the starting lineup. So he's going to get a lot of shots. He's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to put up threes. Um, and he's going to rebound well. And yeah, it's a strong combination of things there. And if he, if he takes a big step in his percentages, which I haven't, even, I'm not even projecting him to do necessarily, but he, if he becomes a 45 and 80 guy from the field and from the line, then that gives him more, more scoring potential. And it, it probably pushes him into the top 80, to be honest, because you can disagree with me because you're, you're a little bit more you know, in, in with this team and know what's going on, but he's starting and he's playing 30 plus minutes most nights. And he's going to be a key offensive option for this squad. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you with, with him. I, I wanted to get your opinion to make sure that I wasn't just being a blind homer with Darius Baisley. But you've mentioned efficiency a couple of times here. And I'll be honest with you. I, I've been playing fantasy basketball off and on for a very long time. And I've I've just never even dawned on me that efficiency matters as long as you get the counting stats. It doesn't matter if you've got the counting stats with great efficiency or with poor efficiency. Does that actually impact the way that you go about drafting your team? Yeah, well, it depends, obviously, on the the type of your league. But you know, two of the standard 
categories in fantasy are field goal percentage and free throw percentage. And if you're bad in those categories, they are you know, significant negatives. Now, in general, you can often disregard one of those categories, but a player who is you know, putting up counting stats but is really bad in those percentage categories, it basically has the potential to be. Um, it does decrease their overall value, no, no doubt about that. And the other thing that I always talk to people about on my show is that your percentage categories are um, a multiple category influences because – for example, you, know, you shoot 40% from the field or you shoot 45% from the field on the same amount of attempts. Well, that 45% is significantly better than the 40, obviously. So you get a win in that category. But that also means that more shots are going in. So therefore, your points category is also going up. So if you improve your field goal percentage. You not only improve that category, but you also improve your scoring category. And the most important one is three-point percentage. Because so if you improve your three-point percentage, your scoring goes up your field goal percentage goes up and your three-pointers made go up. And they can be really big influences. And you often see players who are big surprises. Brandon Ingram last year, 20% increase in his free throw percentage. Or players who are big, big fallers. And they have unexpected you know, 10, 15 percentage point drops in their free throws or you know, 8% drops on their field goal percentage. That's the reason why they, they fall off. Mike Conley was a great example of that last year. And so if you... With the, with the percentages, if you, if you do ignore them, they can have massive influences on the overall value of a player. So you mentioned Al Horford as well, and I, and I want to see what, what you think about him just as a basketball player because you touched on it, and I really think that with a better role for him, I don't think that, that fit in Philadelphia was, was good for him. I think it was the worst possible fit for Al Horford. And I think that coming into a system that Mark Dagnott's going to have, and it's going to look a lot like Billy Donovan, a system which that Al Horford thrived in and wanted to be in again in 2016 until Kevin Durant left for Golden State. I think that coming into this system, Al Horford can have a really good season and, and really recoup some value. And he's not going to get anything crazy next off season, but I think he can get something of value without the Thunder attaching anything to him to get off of that contract, just like Chris Paul did as well. Uh, do you feel the same way about O'Horford? Yeah, look, I think the opportunity for him there is is much better and the position he's going to be playing instead of playing power forward next to Joel Embiid. Look, and people you know, really talk bad about Al Horford. He wasn't that bad last year. He wasn't great and he wasn't worth the contract, but he wasn't terrible. Um, but moving back to the more natural position at center, playing um, in a role that suits him, I think he's going to be a lot more a lot more important for him. Now, look, it's possible. He's 34 years of age. Maybe he's just done. Maybe last year wasn't a positional thing. It's just that, well, he's he's hit that cliff and he's you know, toppled over it and, and it's over for Horford. And that's still a real possibility. But being in a position to succeed like he is this year, I think is going to be really important to, to see how that works out. So coming up, I want to talk to you about the fantasy team that I drafted yesterday and get your feeling on how I did. That way, the listeners coming up against me in the Locked on Thunder Fantasy Basketball League know what they're up against. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on Locked On Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm Rylan Stiles. Joining me is fantasy basketball expert Josh Lloyd. And Josh, yesterday we had our Locked On Basketball uh, Fantasy League 
and you were involved in it. I think that's a little unfair that, that we got a, an amazing expert here going up against uh, our locked on hosts. But I did, I did snipe one of your picks. I, I did take Darius Baisley, which you were not thrilled about. But listen, you've made that public knowledge that you really like him. I like them as well. I've been calling him building block Baisley. think he's going to have an expanded role. So I know you like that pick, but what did you think about my draft overall? Um. Let me uh, let me have a look at your team, Ryan. Because I, I remember now, I'm the by the time people listen to this, the the draft which I recorded for my podcast goes for an hour and fifty minutes. That's a long one. Um, <laughs> you can hear my thoughts on people's teams there, and I'm pretty sure I was I was a little bit critical of some of your selections. So I'm just going to bring your team up here in front of me and, and have a look at it and uh, and go through it from uh, from where where we um where we're sitting because yeah, I love the Basley pick, but I thought there were some other ones that I wasn't as big a fan. I think okay, here we go. So I'm looking at your, your team here. Um, I think you went a little bit early on Joe Ingles. I'm just, I'm not sure what his role is going to be in, uh, in Utah now. I think that he'll be, he's, we talk about older players. He's probably one that's a little bit older again and struggled last season. And his role might be a little bit reduced this year as they try and manage him through the season. So I'm a little bit worried about that pick. I thought you were a little bit early on Davis Bertans as well, which I think you picked him at around. 70 or 80 maybe around that spot that's might be a little bit early for him considering he doesn't do too much else apart from shoot threes yeah i thought that with bird sounds i i just envision him having uh, a greater impact from beyond the arc with russell westbrook and, I, and maybe i'm valuing russ's ability to get him involved a little bit too much there i i did think that with Lori mark and i thought that that was going to be a pick that you ripped apart as well but i i am fully on board the bulls having this resurgence offensively with billy donovan uh, over jim boylan yeah, I, I think the the marketing one was fine because I, I agree. Like you, you get a real coach in there, and the things can change pretty uh, pretty quickly. And so you took marketing at fifty nine. It's it's maybe a little early, but I don't think there's anything really you know, wrong with that at all because um, I do expect a pretty big uh, improvement. So you took you took marketing and then took Bertans at sixty two. I think that's maybe where I criticize you. You just had a couple of power forwards there who were just you know, big three point shooters within a couple of picks. And I think Bertans was probably a little bit. Uh, a little bit early to me, um, but loved what you did with Booker at the start. Uh, Shea at fourteen, yeah, that's you know, we. So many of the hosts all had the, their their Homer picks that they went for, so <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a surprise to see you take Shea at fourteen. Yeah, I had to make sure I had Shea. And, and on that note, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that these uh, sites, Yahoo, ESPN, whatever, c- categorize these players. Does that fluctuate throughout this season? Because I've noticed that Shea is listed as only a shooting guard, small forward on on Yahoo. Will he eventually be able to play point guard with fantasy as he does step into that role in real life? Or was he yeah, always going to be a shooting guard on, on the fantasy ranks? No, nah, they'll adjust that at some point. They're using, yeah, I don't really agree with the way that they do this some of the time, but they made some adjustments the other day uh, to a lot of the positions. They had, they had some terrible positions out there. They had Andre Drummond listed as a, a power forward and center, which of course he literally never plays at power forward, but they'll, they'll adjust this you know, a couple of weeks into the season. Most likely if I was them, I'd be going through and, and making those adjustments you know, straight away because if you look at this roster, you know who the point guard is and it is shape. So I'd be giving that to him now, but it, regardless, it'll change pretty quickly. And then what is your feeling on Josh Richardson? I mean, on Josh Richardson, because I, I think in Dallas, he's going to have a, a much bigger role. And, and I wonder if I'm overvaluing what he can bring offensively because I know he's going to get there and he's going to dramatically improve Dallas's defense, you would hope. But but what do you think fantasy-wise is the value on Richardson? I think it's probably at the right area where you grabbed him at 107. Um, last year, outside of Porzingis and Doncic, no one played over 30 minutes a game for the Mavericks. And they had that little 
breakout from Trey Burke in the bubble. Jalen Brunson's back. There's Tim Hardaway there. I'm not sure Richardson plays more than the 31 minutes a night that he played last year in Philadelphia. And for a guy that is a good defender, his steal numbers have been really low over you know, four of the last five years. So that's a little bit of a concern there with me. And I'm not. I'm just not sure he goes from like Maybe early on, he gets a little bit more usage, but playing next to Embiid and Simmons and Harris versus Doncic and Porzingis and Hardaway is probably going to be ahead of him in the offensive pecking order as well. I'm not sure that his usage changes all that much in Dallas versus where it was in, uh, in um, uh, Philadelphia. So I, I'm a little, I, I, look, he was, his best fantasy season was in Miami where he was the number one option and he had the ball in his hands. He was generating assists and he was scoring. That's just not going to be the case for him here in Dallas. I'm, I'm a little worried that, that, not, not that he can't reach this level where you picked him, but I'm not sure that there's much more upside for him when I'm trying to yeah, yeah, pair it out with the rest of the team and how he fits in there. Yeah, my feeling with the upside there at that range is because I just think that KP, even when he comes back in mid-January, will load manage a lot. I think that Doncic has shown he's gotten some nagging injuries throughout his NBA career that that you're really going to want to take care of in the regular season with these relaxed load managing policies for non-national TV games. So whenever that does come about, if that does come about, then Josh Richardson, I think, would have a little bit more value. But but you're right. Whenever everything is clicking and everything is normal, I think that that was really the, the uh, route to go whenever I took him at that selection. So we're almost a few hours away from Friday. And on Friday, we always do Stock Watch Friday. So I want to bring you into that segment real quick. And let me know, what are two guys who stock in fantasy you're buying and selling as well? Um, look, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say at, at this point in terms of which guys, because, you know, I've had these values sort of locked in for the last week or so. So I'm not really, not really, not, not much is changing at this point in terms of guys that, that I'm looking at that, you know, I'm interested in, as weird sort of flyer types. I'm interested to see what Denver does with, uh, for Kundo Kampazzo. I think he's going to be in for a bigger role than people expect as well, especially after the Monty Morris extension. I reckon that he's going to have a chance to even supplant someone like Gary Harris in the starting lineup there. That's very, very interesting. Josh, this was awesome. Let them know where they can find your podcast, your Twitter account, and all the fantasy work you do because you, you are a workaholic, my man. You're always grinding on this fantasy basketball world. All right, so you can, the podcast is Locked On Fantasy Basketball. So it's, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, along with uh, Locked On Thunder and all our other NBA shows. I'm on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble. So you can find me over there as well. And you also host Locked On NBA on, on Mondays, right? Correct. I do. So you can always find Josh's takes both for fantasy basketball and the actual NBA. This will be a very, very fun season. Your prediction for the fantasy year, are we going to get through this without some bubble and, and crown a true fantasy champion? Ooh, it's, yeah, look, it's, I'll say <laughs> a true champion. No, like, uh, there's going to be some bumps in the road for sure. And I don't think there's any way of us avoiding that at this point. There you have it. That's Josh Lloyd, fantasy basketball expert. I'm Rodan Styles. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you tomorrow to preview the Thunder's first preseason game. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.